Hello friends, this is Mac and welcome to another solo episode. So today what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about a statement. So the statement is your syntax was convoluted. Your syntax was convoluted. So what exactly does that mean? Well, to be perfectly honest, I still to this day don't really know. But maybe it's important that we go back to the beginning. So September of 1980, I was entering my junior year of high school. So I grew up in Southern California. I went to a college prep high school there in Southern California, and they always touted their academics. And I'm not quite sure why my parents wanted me to go there because academically I was not all that driven and frankly all that interested, but in the same we did. So I had to actually go down to, it was a private schools in Newport Beach, California. Well, first two years were Oh, they were okay. I uh, played football for the first time as a freshman and then sophomore year got pulled up to the varsity and enjoyed that. Junior year though, that was going to be a great year. There was a lot of things that happened over the summer that just kind of led me to believe that this is going to be the one. So in that summer, I had my first job. I ended up getting my driver's license. Toward the end of the summer, I got my braces off. I had those things on for the first two years. Uh, I took up weightlifting. And I started a little bit my sophomore year, but by junior year, I was fully into it. I had a set of weights in the garage. So, you know, these are the old weights that were concrete wrapped in plastic. And I would piece them together from yard sales. And so I started lifting weights and I, I probably put on about 10 pounds of muscle that summer. So we had hell week, you know, uh, summer training and then school started. And so uh, entering school, like that was it. You know, the football team, we'd spent almost the entire month of August together. And so we were all bonded and we were excited for school to start. I mean, the worst part of school starting was the actual classes. Everything else was going to be awesome. So the course load I had wasn't all that tough, even though it was a college prep school. Uh, I did have to take geometry, which really concerned me. Um, and I had a teacher, her name was Mrs. Turnus, Mrs. Turnus. And the only thing I remember about her is that she was really quiet. And every time she'd turn around and she'd write on the chalkboard with a piece of chalk, her butt would shake. So it's funny what you remember years later. Uh, but I didn't do very well in that class, but I figured the other ones wouldn't be too bad. And so uh, one of them, of course, was history, which Coach Cup, he was the varsity football coach. He was the teacher for that. So I knew I'd be getting an A automatically. Oh, yeah. And I had been already elected as one of the team captains. So I was, you know, in his good graces. Uh, let's see what else that I had. Typing. So I chose typing. I'm not sure why. And to be perfectly honest, I loved it because I was the only guy in the class. But boy, I'll tell you, of all the courses I took in high school, that's the one that served me the best over the years. Because, you know, another few years after that, computers became the norm. And so I was used to typing on a typewriter. So computer was really easy for me. And then we had, we always had a Bible class. And so the first two years, that was an easy A. It just, you know, it's stuff I grew up listening to in Sunday school. So junior year, we had Bible three. And we had a guy named Mr. Smythe. And Mr. Smythe was, he was just a cool guy. You know, he was interesting. He was funny. He treated us like humans, which was pretty cool. And so it was great. Well, by November, things had changed rapidly. Uh, for whatever reason, Mr. Smythe had been fired and his replacement was a guy named Greg Bonson. Now, this guy was a Ph.D. He had his Ph.D. in philosophy, I think, from USC, which was a big deal. And so he took over the class. So, again, this is one of those classes that's like your easy A, right? I mean, you basically just show up and breathe and you will pass. Now he's lecturing. He's talking about ethics 
He's using language and examples I'd never heard and understood. We had all this memorization we had to do. And then we had our first essays. And that's when I realized that junior year was going to be not the best, but probably one of the worst. So we all did an essay. I don't remember what the topic was, but he was up there just kind of blasting us for our the way we did it. And then he ends with this statement, your syntax was convoluted. And I think me and my friends sitting in the back of the room just started laughing because it was so ludicrous. Like, first of all, I don't even understand what you're talking about regularly. And then you even your criticism is not understandable. So I think I learned at that point that you've learned, got to learn how to speak a different language. You've got to make sure that you are connecting with your audience. Now, Maybe Dr. Bonson thought that we would be more confident if we got used to understanding big words, but uh, it didn't work with me. You know, I didn't really think much of that. I did manage to graduate high school, although I did have to go to summer school right after graduation. So when I walked graduation, I was given a little, the little plastic folder thing, right? The little plastic thing you get your diploma in. Of course, it was empty. I had to go to summer, that, uh, summer school that summer to actually graduate. Uh, but, but life really changed after that. So, you know, once I did graduate, went to a trade school, joined the Navy, you know, kind of moved on and, and didn't really think much about it. But for whatever reason, I was reminded of it uh, not too long ago when I was watching an episode of Shark Tank. So if you've never watched Shark Tank, it's, uh, it's been on for a while now. There's a bunch of investors. These are all pretty wealthy people. I actually saw the original version when I was doing some business over in the UK. They called it Dragon's Den. And then, like, there was a Mr. Wonderful there. He's a British guy, and he was real mean and whatever, like Kevin uh, O'Leary. But anyway, these guys, they were scientists or something. They were pitching some technology, and they valued their company at $40 million, which, I mean, that's really high, especially for that show. And so, of course, the sharks, like, when there's blood in the water, they start peppering them with questions. And every question they were answering in this really scientific language. I think these guys were so smart that they never really realized that they didn't know how to speak normal language. And so uh, one by one, the sharks began to drop out. And then, you know, they kept on trying, like the sharks would ask them, they wanted to invest it, but they just could not learn to speak the language. And so, you know, the, the sharks themselves speak the language of money. The, the language of the scientists was science. And so it was just a disconnect, just like Dr. Bonson's language was, you know, his PhD at USC in philosophy. That actually rhymes. The PhD from USC in philosophy. Wow, I'm a poet and I never did know it, right? All right, so at any rate, we discovered that, they discovered that. And I think in many cases, we find that we're just not able to understand where somebody's coming from because they haven't taken the time to speak the language that suits us. And so think about how that might impact you today. You know, in our programs, especially the talk we do on don't make a mess of the message, we talk about the importance of encoding, which means I need to say something in a way that you're going to understand it. And I might be somebody who's a very numbers data-driven person, but if I'm speaking to somebody who tends to process things a little more emotionally, they're probably not gonna understand fully what I'm trying to get across. And if the roles are reversed, if I speak the language of data and you speak the language of emotion, that may not work. If I'm somebody who looks at details, little picture, and you're a big picture speaker, we'll disconnect. And so you have to think about what your regular mother tongue is, right? So I speak English, that's my first language. I understand a little bit of Spanish. I can read Spanish okay. I can speak 
some words. I know a lot of bad words, but obviously you can't say those in public, even if they're in Spanish, right? Uh, but it's more than just that. Think about how you need to communicate in the language of others. And so, first of all, figure out what it is that you are trying to communicate. Is it uh, some new idea that you're suggesting? Is it uh, some new process that you want to do? It's some new way to recognize people. Whatever that is, think about what you want the outcome to be. I want somebody to buy this, to okay this, to promote this, right? Then figure out who's the person I actually have to convince. And there may be a number of people, but the more you understand about those people, the better you're going to be able to then speak to them in their particular language. So if you know that I've got uh, a little chain of command, I guess, as it were, that you had to run this idea up, you know, look, find out who the, the data people are. Find out who the people that uh, kind of think about common vision. You know, how will this impact our organization positively? Make sure that you're learning who those people are and then figure out how to reach them. What language do they speak? And so, you know, I have seen this countless times. People have amazing ideas and they never get off the ground. And part of it is they don't know really how to sell them or communicate them. So, you know, I learned a lesson from Dr. Bonson. To this day, I'm not even sure what a syntax that's convoluted looks like. And to be perfectly honest, we took ethics with him as juniors. I had him for philosophy as seniors. And I can probably count on one hand the things I remember. And one of those things is your syntax is convoluted. So if that's all I remember from a guy who's PhD in philosophy from USC, was in my life for two years, what does that tell you? You gotta learn a different language. And the 17 and 18 year old kid that I was, could not connect with it. Don't make the same mistakes with your new idea. Get to know exactly who it is you have to influence and learn to speak their language. I hope that helps. Please enjoy the rest of your week and I'll look forward to catching up with you on our next solo episode together. Goodbye. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years, and I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs. More information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.